Well, good morning, everyone. I understand there's a football game this afternoon. Is that right? So, against Ryan's favorite team, the team that shall not be named. So, <laughs> no, but not, not, only, not only is it football season, but it's also running season. It's cross-country season. Do we have any cross-country runners here? I know we do. Yes, I know. I've seen you out on the, out on the course. I have this kind of love-hate relationship with running. Okay, it's kind of like a bad dating relationship. You know, you're on one month, you're off another month, you know. And I'm not sure if, if running and I are in love right now or not, or if we hate each other. Uh, I, I just, I, my family and I just did a 5K run with um, up in Kewaskum. We have a site up in Kewaskum, and to be a part of the community up there, we annually do this Keys 5K run up there. And my wife asked me, she said, so how did it go? How did it go? And I said, um... Well, I set a new personal record. <laughs> I don't think I've ran a 5K that slow in my entire life. You know, that's so. And uh, so anyways, but it is running season. My wife is actually, she's the, the coach, one of the coaches for the East Girls Cross Country Running Team. And every year they make uh, these set of T-shirts, these kind of motivation T-shirts with motivational sayings on them. So on, on the back of them. So when you're running with their team and you're tired and you're in your you want to quit, you can read the shirt of the person in front of you and and stay inspired to run and and keep going and stuff like that. So I thought as we talk about the keys of life, I might share some of these quotes that you might see from time to time. It says this one was a one that I've seen on the T-shirt to give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift by Steve Perifonte, who I guess is like the guru of all running, you know, and I think half the quotes uh, in the running world are assigned to this dude, whoever he is. You don't have to be great to start, but you do have to start to be great. Oh, doesn't that get you going? You know, it's like when you don't want to get out and run, you know, the next one I, I love. Running is the greatest metaphor for life because you get out of it what you put into it by the great cross-country runner, Oprah Winfrey. Okay. And then uh, I like others make excuses, quit you make excuses to keep going, okay? And then I like this last one. They said I couldn't do it. They said the road was too long, the journey too arduous. They were, oh, oh dry heaves. Hang on. <laughs> that's, that is my <laughs> running quote right there. These, uh, these motivational quotes remind us of the fact that there really is no lack of uh, advice out there, right? There's no lack of people who want to kind of speak into your life, who want to give you kind of some kind of motivation, some kind of uh, key to life and how to live it well. I've heard lots of these quotes throughout, throughout my life. Um, you know, these things, a life, you know, uh, your life is not to be found, but it's, it's to be created, something like that. Um, you know, you want to set goals high so you always have something to reach for. Uh, one plaque that somebody gave us so we have hanging in our house, it says, if you think of others first, your life will be sweet. If you think of yourself first, your life will be sour. This is life's written guarantee, okay? So we have that hanging in a place and prominent in our home so people can read it every single day. No one has yet to really, you know, obey it at all, but it's hanging in our home nonetheless. And, um, but if someone were to ask you, what is the key to life? What exactly is, is, is the key to life? If someone who, who loves you, who respects you, were come up to you and say, Mom, Dad, what is the key to life? Grandpa, Grandma, you know, what, what exactly is the key to life? How would you answer that question? How would you answer that question? Now, I would submit to you that 
uh, for those of us today who consider ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, we don't turn our attention towards the Internet or towards Pinterest to find our motivational quotes and sayings in life. We turn our attention to the, the scriptures themselves, these, these ancient scriptures that have proven over time to have wisdom and to, to have direction and have provided uh, to be proven to be a compass for everyone who have, who's ever followed them all through the generations and generations. So I want, we're going to turn to the book of, of Deuteronomy today and see if we can find some of these keys to life. I want to tur- invite you to turn to page 131. 131, we're going to read Deuteronomy chapter 10 and, and ask ourselves, what do the scriptures say about living life well and being successful? And what does it have to do about, about knowing God? And, and so when I talk about the word successful, I'm not saying about that, you know, God wants you to be uber rich and, and to never have any problems in life and, and that you're going to be the best at whatever it is you do. When I talk about being successful, we're talking about you know, basically just that life in general goes well for you. Yet your relationships are, are, are really, uh, they're uh, marked by harmony. That, they, that you're able to, to be consistent in, you know, what you say is what, what you do and stuff like that. And that life begins to go well for you. You experience, when you do this, you, you live under the rule and reign of God. You begin to experience this thing called the shalom of God, the blessing of God. When when you do this now, if we're to, to look at the scriptures, there's, there's lots of places, OK, that we could go to to look for a key to life. I mean, this is a pretty big book, right? You know, it's a big book. And, uh, you know, there's lots of good stuff in here. Lots of good stuff. I mean, you have the sayings of Jesus in here. OK, the greatest teacher who ever lived. OK, we could look there and you we could look at the Apostle Paul, who is probably one of the most brilliant theologians who ever lived. And he has all sorts of discourses in there. But it's really interesting that if you look at the life of Jesus if you're to look at the life of Jesus, Jesus didn't go to himself for inspiration when the chips were down. When Jesus faced one of the most difficult trials and temptations of his entire life, he didn't go to himself. He actually went to the Old Testament scriptures. And he found as a source of motivation for doing the right thing, you know, inspiration and motivation from the Old Testament scriptures. And again and again and again, he went back to this portion of Deuteronomy that we're going to read from uh, today in, in Deuteronomy chapter 10. Now, to understand this context, the, what, what's being said here today, we need to understand the context. And the context is simply this. The nation of Israel, which is God's unique called out people out of all the nations, he chose them to be his very own. They have just come to the end of a very long and arduous journey. Okay, it's a 40 year journey to be exact. They have been wandering in the desert for 40 years because 40 years prior to this, God had brought them up to the very threshold, to the very boundary of the land that he has been had been promising to give them for generations. Okay, he'd been promising to give them this land. And when the chips came down for them to go into the land and to take over the land, they allowed fear to be a motivating factor in their life rather than faith. And they chose to disobey God rather than obey God. And God essentially says to them at this point, he says, listen, he says, I'm, I'm not going to give my promise, fulfill my promises and give my blessing to a people who fail, who absolutely refuse to obey me. Okay, if we want to experience the blessings of God, 
we need to allow ourselves to live under the rule and reign of God. Okay? We don't experience the blessings of God unless we allow ourselves to live under the authority and the rule of reign of, reign of God. And these people categorically denied uh, and, and rebelled against God, said, no, we're not going to do it, we're not going in. And God said, okay, then I guess you're not going to experience my promise and my blessing. And he says, you're going to go out wander in the desert, and you're going to wander there for 40 years until every single adult, 20 years older, uh, 20 years of age and older, die in the desert. And then we're going to come back and we're going to try it again. And this is where we're at in the book of Deuteronomy. The next generation has come up and God is saying to them, he's saying, let's do this right. Please, please obey me this time. And I want you to experience, you know, the good blessings that I have for you. And so this is what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 to 13. He says, and now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to Fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. For your own good. And God is in essence giving the Israelites here the keys to life, to a life lived wisely and well in their new home. And one of the main, main keys that he gives, uh, it, it keeps coming up again and again in this extended portion of Scripture, is to fear the Lord. In fact, it says that six times in five chapters to fear the Lord. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his all's ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Okay? Can you hear the hope and the pain mingled together in God's voice here? Okay? It's almost as, as a parent is sending off their kid to college for the first time in their freshman year. And they're, they're, they're just kind of praying and hoping against hope and saying, please make right choices. Please make good choices. If you do what we've been telling you and teaching you all the days of your life, things will go well for you. Things will you'll save you from all sorts of heartache and all sorts of pain. And you're just saying, please do the right thing. That's kind of, in essence, the situation that the Israelites were in at this point. God is saying, saying to them, he said, listen, I brought you up again to this new land. I want you to go in. I want it to go well. I want you to experience my blessing. Please, please choose to do the right thing. And the big idea for this message is basically this is that fearing the Lord is not only appropriate. It is the beginning of all wise and good living. Okay. Fearing the Lord is not only the appropriate thing to do, it is the beginning of all wise and good living. Do you want to have a life that works and that goes well for you? God is saying right here that one of the keys to that kind of life is to fear the Lord. Now, there may be some of you here who are saying like, okay, fear and love, those things are like mutually exclusive. They can't coexist together, Okay. You know, that's not how it worked in my family, you know, growing up. And I would just respectfully beg to differ with you. I would say that any good parent-child relationship has this healthy mix of both love, okay, and respect and fear. Love, you know, your, your parents, but there's also this, this healthy regard for what might happen if I choose to disregard and disobey and be, be rebellious as well. I saw this dynamic working in my own life when I went to go visit my Uncle Kenny. I had this, 
I had this great uncle, Uncle Kenny, who's my favorite uncle. He was the fun uncle. You guys, you have a fun uncle? Oh, you do have a fun uncle. Yeah. So Uncle Kenny was my fun uncle. And Uncle Kenny was not only fun, but he was really, really wealthy. Okay. So he had his own company and he had his own jet plane and he would fly up to Milwaukee, pick our families up and fly us back to Waco, Texas or Waco, Texas, you know, and, uh, and we'd have all sorts of crazy times down there with Kenny and his kids. And one time I remember my brother and I, we were eight years old at the time and we were down there with, with Kenny's family, you know, without our family unsupervised. And we, we went, we were going whitewater rafting. Okay. And as we're going to this destination to go whitewater rafting, we stopped at a gas station and everyone loaded up on treats and snacks. And I was sitting in the backseat of the car with my two cousins on my left and on my right. They were quite a bit older than I was. The Kip and Mark were 15 and 17 years old and they were mischievous. Okay. They were, they were kind of a little bit crazy like their, like their dad, Kenny. And, um, and they had gotten at the gas station this small jar of whole jalapeno pickles, jalapeno peppers. And they knew that I love pickles. So they said, Mike, do you like pickles? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I love pickles. You know I love pickles. They, they said, pull out the straw. They said, hey, you've got to try one of these pickles. These are great pickles. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, he says, just take a big bite out of this pickle. So I grabbed one of these whole jalapenos, chomped into my, chomped them like, Aah! and my Uncle Kenny is driving. And he says, what's going on back there? And I'm like, I'm like, Mark and Kip said that these were pickles. They're the hot pepper. And my Uncle Kenny, he pulls over the car. And he leans back and he looks back and he goes, Mark, Kip, finish the jar. And they're like, they're like, Dad, no. And he's like, I'm not, I'm not driving any further until you guys finish the jar. And you can see it. They start eating these papers. They're chopping them. And the tears are running down their face. And I'm looking back in the back seat, looking back at Mark and Kip. And up until that point, I loved my Uncle Kenny. But at, after that point, I loved and feared Uncle Kenny as well. Okay? These two things can coexist at the same time. And you can just imagine the, the, the children of Israel at this point. God is saying, he's like, I love you get it right this time. Please do the right thing. Make the, make good choices. And the Israelites are going, Oh yeah, (laughs) we just got done going on a 40 year hike, you know, because our parents refused to obey the Lord and we don't want to do that again. So maybe there's some sort of wisdom in fearing the Lord like this. See, God wants us to love him. Like we talked about last week. Okay. Um, but he also wants us to trust him and fearfully respect him. And when we think that we actually know better than him, we actively turn away and disregard from his good commands, then we actually have a good reason to fear. See, we, we, we tend to focus on the fact that God is loving and kind and compassionate, and he is all of those things. But we forget that he is also holy and jealous, righteous and just. These things are as much a part of the character of God as the first category. And the fear of the Lord begins by having a right and healthy respect for his power, for his authority, for his character. He is the one who set the universe into existence. He knows how it runs and how we are to best live in it. Fearing the Lord is not only appropriate, it's the beginning of all wise and good living. Let's listen to these verses again. He says, And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to Fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. Now, to a certain extent, 
Let's leave that up there for a while. To a certain extent, there's some repetition going on here, okay? To fear the Lord of the God is very similar to walk in his ways, which is very similar to love him, which is synonymous is to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. So there is some repetition going on here. These things are co-mingled together. And they're, they're, when, you, when you begin to love the Lord your God and serve the Lord your God and fear the Lord your God, you begin to observe his commands and walk in his ways because you understand that his ways are best. That it's the way that the world was designed to live. And when we stray out from under those commands, there's going to be normal natural consequences from saying, see, because God's commands and his rules are kind of like an umbrella. Okay. If you stay, if you're in a rainstorm and you stay under the umbrella, you're going to stay dry, right? But if you go and you walk outside of the, the protection of the umbrella, you are just going to get wet. That's normal and natural. It's going to happen. And sometimes people get wet and they're like, well, what happened? Well, you strayed from underneath the umbrella, okay? And you strayed, and God's commands are the same way. The wheels of life begin to go, come off of life. And they're like, well, what happened in life? Well, at some point in time, you began to disregard the ways of the Lord and be, thought that you might know better. And there are normal and natural consequences to that. And this is how life works. We understand this. We understand this. My, when my family and I, we were on a short-term missions trip uh, to Mexico, actually in Cancun. We were ministering to the staff of the resort <laughs> there. I'm just kidding. We weren't on a short-term mission trip. We were on a vacation. But, but we were there. And the first day we were there, um, we, uh, kids were a little bit younger, and my son, was uh, Luke, was 14 years old, which at that time, when you're 14 years old, you know everything, okay? He's gotten much, much wiser since then. But he knew everything. And so the first day we're there, I, I told Luke, I'm like, we're getting all lathered up. We're all putting on sunscreen and stuff like that. I'm like, Luke, come on over here. I got to get you get your sunscreen on. He says, no, dad, I'm good. I'm like, uh, really? I'm like, believe me, Luke, the sun is hot. It's bright. You know, it's February. So we are all pasty white right now. And you're going to get burned if you if you don't put on sunscreen. No, no, I'm, I'm really good. You know, I'm like, now, as a parent, maybe I should have just said, uh, you're not going on. You're not going outside until you put on sunscreen. I could have done that. At the moment, this may not have been a wise decision. But I said, "All right, suit yourself." I wanted I wanted Luke to understand that there are consequences to behavior. And that evening, we could hear him whimpering in his bed. <laughs> Why? Because he chose that I know better. And sometimes we say that to God. We say. I know better. I know better than you. And when we stray, we can get damaged. And we can be hurt. And God is saying, I don't want you to be hurt. I don't want you to get damaged. I want you to love me. I want you to fear me. Which means to understand that my ways are right. My ways are best. Fearing the Lord is not only the appropriate thing to do. It is the beginning of all wise and good living now some of us might be asking what does this look like okay are we to you know oh i I skipped a whole part here i want to say okay you know jesus jesus actually spoke about this as well some people think that that the god of the old testament is different than the god of the new testament okay have some of you heard that before 
Like the God of the Old Testament is wrathful and angry and, and spiteful and stuff like that. And then Jesus comes along and he brings out kind of like God's inner child. And God becomes kind and compassionate and gracious. You've heard of something like that? Okay. Now, I know that I say this a lot. Okay. But this time I really mean it. Nothing could be further from the truth. Okay, there are not two gods in the Bible. There is one consistent, cohesive God. And in the Old Testament, they talk, God talks about his loving kindness and his mercy and his compassion and his patience many, many more times than it does talk about his wrath or his anger or anything like that. Just multiple times more. And beyond that, Jesus in the New Testament, not only is he, is he kind and compassionate and forgiving, but he talks about God's about fearing God as well. We see this in, in, the, in the book of John. Hey, let's throw that, that verse up there in Luke chapter 12. He says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do mo- no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him whom, after killing the, the body, has the power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Jesus is saying that fear the Lord should be so powerful and active in our lives that we should, be, that we should actually have such a high regard and respect for God, that we're more willing to do what's honoring and right in his eyes than what's honoring and right in, in people's eyes, okay? That that should be our primary motivating factor, okay? And beyond that, not only did, did Moses talk about the fear of the Lord and Jesus talk about the fear of the Lord, David talked about the fear of the Lord too. In Psalm 111, he says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. And then after David came and some came. His son Solomon, Solomon wrote the Proverbs, and he said the same thing in Proverbs 9. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. What I want to say to you folks is this, is that fearing the Lord is not some isolated idea that's tucked away in the book of Deuteronomy. We find it all throughout the Scriptures that if we want to live well, if we want to live wisely, if we want life to work for us, one of the keys to life is to fear the lord beginning to fear the lord now some of you might say okay well what does that look like mike are we are we supposed to become old testament christians you know in our old testament jewish people i mean you you might want to begin by reading the ten commandments that's a great start and you know could could continue by reading these first 12 chapters of deuteronomy they're amazing good chapters full of good stuff but actually there's a group of people who asked jesus the same question what what do we do? What, what is it that we're supposed to do then? What, what is it that God requires of us? In John chapter, you know, where is it? John chapter 12, I think. No. They asked him, what must we do to do the work that, God's re- that works that God requires? What is it that God wants of us? What is it that he wants us to do? And he answered this. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one whom he has sent. That's the work of God. It all begins with believing in Jesus. If you try to live a life fearing the Lord outside of Jesus, we end up in self-righteousness. It's only through Jesus coming inside, living inside of us, redeeming us, restoring us, living inside of us through His Holy Spirit that He begins to move and operate in us and allows us and empowers us to begin to fear the Lord and understand that His ways are Right. And we be, when we begin to do that, we begin to live under the blessing of God and life begins to work for us. I uh, have had the privilege of working with the Ministry of Celebrate Recovery in the last several months. 
And um, Celery Recovery is a great ministry. It's on Wednesday nights at our community center. And um, everybody in Celebrate Recovery has come to the point where we need help, okay? Celebrate Recovery is a ministry. It's for hurts, habits, or hang-ups. Anybody who has a hurt, habit, or hang-up can come to Celebrate Recovery. And I always say there's a hurt, habit, or hang-up, which sounds human to me because <laughs> we're all in recovery, right, of some way, shape, or form. And a lot of the people who are in Celebrate Recovery had, have come to this point where they have bottomed out. They have made such disastrous decisions in their lives, friends of mine, that their life has just bottomed out and they've realized, I have made a mess of my life. And they may not use this language, but they would, could very easily say, I, have, I did not fear the Lord. I didn't live with a healthy regard and fear for the Lord and obey his commands. But often, many times, when they bottom out, they raise the white flag of surrender. And they say, I'm ready. I'm ready to fear the Lord. I'm ready to follow his ways. I'm ready to allow Jesus to be the leader of my life. And when they do that, guess what? Relationships get restored. They begin to hold down a job. Life, just in general, begins to work. I was talking to my friend Tim from Celebrate Recovery last Saturday. And he said to me, he says, he says, why would I want to go back to drugs? I'm good with the wife. I'm good with the in-laws. I have a relationship with my kids again. I'm able to hold down a job. Why would I go back to drugs? Exactly. Exactly. He has begun to understand the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not only the appropriate thing to do, it's the beginning of all wise and good living. If you were to sit down to me with me and say, Mike, 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 Mike. <laughs> like the camel, right? <laughs> what is the key to life? I would say to you, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your strength and all your soul and to fear the Lord your God. If you do that, life will work. Let me pray for you. Father God, I pray that we might be a community of people who learn to not only love you, but to appropriately, respectfully fear you as well. You are the great God of the whole universe. You set it into motion. You know how it works. And you want us to live wisely and well in it. I pray that we could be a community of people who have such a healthy respect and fear for you. That we would want to do the right thing. That we would step into the life that you have for each one of us. And God, as we begin to live this way, and we begin to experience the shalom of God, the blessings of God, if anybody were to ask, what has changed? We could point back to Jesus and say, I've made him the leader of my life. And he calls all the shots. And I've found that when he does, he gets it right every single time. I pray these things in his name. Amen.